This is the Tabernacle Podcast with me, Ben Brown, sitting in for Britton Bishop today, who is MIA. We have no idea where he's at, but with me today is my co-host, John Vermilia. Good afternoon, John. Good afternoon. I'm wondering where that bishop is. He's probably somewhere in Oklahoma with his fiance. hopefully not eloping. You never I don't know. know. I never thought about that. They're pretty close to Vegas. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> wouldn't that be a story? He would get so many miles out of preaching if he actually did that. The, there Just, would be a lot of sermons. In, yeah, in a lot of sermons story. in that. Yeah. No, he's not doing that. I think he's on vacation. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Britain is on a well-deserved vacation. Uh, we love you, Bish, and we look forward to when you're back. In the meantime, yeah, uh, you, you get to deal with John and I together. So we have no idea how this is going to go, uh, but we are continuing in our study of. Luke, today we are in chapter 5. So, yeah, we're in Luke chapter 5, and it just dawned on me. So uh, if the if, if the two of us are down here, the lead pastor, executive pastor, we're down here in the dungeon, did everyone else just take the day off? Who's minding the store? <laughs> well, you know, people in ministry, we only work on weekends anyway, so it's probably not a big deal. Yeah, we're just, yeah, that's, that's, every, every, yeah, we just twiddle our thumbs, just mess around. Yeah, got we just sit around, you know, yeah. just talk about theology all day and, yeah, right. you know, quote Sarcasm poetry to each people. other. No, we're good. No, I'm fired up to be down here, man. Yeah, Luke, this, Luke chapter five, this is good stuff we got. Yeah, and this has been an interesting way for us to go through a book of the Bible. Uh, you know, we're covering a lot of meat on the weekends, but there's still a ton of meat left uh, with what we're not covering on the weekends. And just for those maybe just joining us on this, uh, this idea came around when we were actually talking about maybe doing a midweek sermon. And it just made sense that instead of doing that, uh, we're going to go new school instead of old school with Wednesday church. And <laughs> podcasts are dropped on Wednesday. That's it counts. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It counts as Wednesday church. So. Uh, yeah, this has been a lot of fun being able to do this, um, dive into scripture together. And what I love about this is it's a little bit more of a fight club format. That's and right. Heidi Burgess was with us last week. And wow, what's some nuggets of wisdom that she dropped for us there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just brings a totally different perspective. And I uh, uh, always love her insights. Yeah. yeah. And and anytime you can get together with some other with fellow believers and you can settle into God's word together uh, you never know what he's going to reveal because you're just getting so much other wisdom and uh, world perspective and even ideas. Even if you're a new believer and you're just getting into God's word, uh, it, he he can use you. So don't be afraid to jump in with some other people and uh, or Seth Bush or even I mean Seth. I mean the wisdom was coming out of his beard. Right, oh, so yeah. he was representing Manistee with the big beard, and oh yeah, yeah. that was actually Seth was last week. It was yeah. Heidi was two weeks ago. There That's right. Yeah. Oh man, yeah, yeah, we're covering lots of ground. Well, it's here. R- it's right after Christmas, so it's still what day is it for me? Uh, what day is it? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'm not even sure what time of day it is right yeah. now. But. So, all right, so we are going to get into Luke chapter Luke chapter five here. Uh, we're going to start off in verse twelve because the rest was covered on Sunday. Uh, So I'm going to read a section, and we're just going to break it down and see what God's got for us today. Uh, So verse 12, chapter 5, While he was in one of the cities, that is Jesus, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he charged him to tell no one. But go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But now even more, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him 
and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Let's pause right there. Or do you yeah. want to keep going, John? No, no, no. I, I think that's one of the interesting things about Luke is there's so much that um, is covered in his gospel that it's hard to take a theme chapter by chapter. And so one of the cool things about the format that we're doing right here is we're able to look at these different bits of information that Dr. Luke recorded for us. Remember, he said an orderly account, but it's an intricate detail. And so sometimes instead of trying to like bend everything together in one chapter, it's it's cool to just take this bit by bit. And I think one of the things we see right here, uh, in fact, it's what I highlighted in my study, um, is this man full of leprosy was like a death sentence. You're an outcast. Yes. Nobody wants to be around you. There's all this superstition. There's some people that thought that it wasn't even by touch. If you got too close to them, you could get it. These people were banished. They were outside the city. They're covered in rags. Pieces of their body are falling off, right? So he's a horrible sight to see. He's a outcast from everyone else. Emotionally, he's got to be traumatized, separated from his family, his friends, his community, But this guy, there was something about Jesus that was like, I can ask him. And it says he fell on his face and he begged him. And I love how he asked it in the ESV. He says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Yeah, there's so much submission going on there uh, in in that approachability of Jesus. There was something about him in it. You know, for me, it begs the question as we're going through our Christian life is we're trying to be followers and imitators of Jesus, little Christs with skin on, uh, you know, begs the question, how approachable are you Yeah. for somebody who feels like an outcast, for somebody yeah. who feels uh, like they don't belong, for somebody who feels like they're an untouchable or um, you know, they're too dirty to come to church. Right. And, and, he, and the way he even he said it, he's, it, it he didn't demand it. He didn't demand it. He he like he could have pulled the leper game. Ah, if you don't heal me, I'm going to touch you, and you're going to get it. You know, I don't know if that's silly or bad that I just thought that. But no, he said, "If you will," in other words, if you want to, you can do it. And uh, you know what a beautiful way for us to pray, Lord. Here's a need that I have. Here's a need that my friend has, or my kid has, or this situation, or our church. Lord, if you want to, if it's your will, I know you can. And so he says to him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. So there's faith there. Yes. And I don't even know where this came from, except that he'd done some healings already, you know, and word kind of gets out, but he says, if you will, you can make me clean. And then the second part says that Jesus stretched out his hand. He did two things. When he touched him, he touched him. Now you could say, well, you know, we covered this uh, last or two weeks ago in a certain sermon when we said, uh, that he was fully God and fully man. But still, the fact that the fully man part would touch a leper, which means you're going to catch leprosy. Yes. Except Jesus was healing him. And just this presence, this proximity, this touch, and it says he stretched out his hand and touched him. Jesus did. And said, I will be clean. And uh, I get emotional when I read like, stuff like this because it's the God of the universe in this one-on-one relationship. The one who spoke everything to being also speaks something into healing. All he did was by the word of his mouth. Yeah, he touched him, but I don't think the touch was the magic healing touch. 
it was by, he spoke, I will be clean. So it's the word and the, oh man, it's just, it's too much. I'm getting the chills and we've just started. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was just thinking the, the, the same thing about that. Just how personal Jesus was, the, the God of the universe, how, how personal he is. Um, you know, and we're talking, you know, I, I'm mentioning earlier, okay, if you're a Christian, how approachable are you? But how many of us at some point in our life, we have felt like that leper? Yeah. Like, like I, I can't go to, I can't go in that church. I can't go hang out. There's going to be Christians at that party. Yeah. I can't be there. Yeah. I actually, um, was, was doing a funeral for a family. Um, you know, just a beloved member of our community and, um, and they invited me over and as a pastor, just as having mm-hmm. that label as pastor, stepping into a house, you could see, oh, pastor's here and how uncomfortable everybody got. Right. This was supposed to be the party. <laughs> you lost your camo, After the visitation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Camo's gone. Yeah, that was gone. You're and the one guy in the forest with bright orange on now. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was how it felt in trying to get everybody at ease. Like, guys, no, no, it's Carrie. You're fine. I'm not here. And, and you know, they're looking around, oh, do we ask him to pray before the meal? And there was mm-hmm. just this level of, you know, uh, feeling very self-aware for people and, and, oh gosh, we don't want to offend pastor. Mm-hmm. I'm like, guys, can you just stop calling me that? Yeah, can, can you I just, just call me Ben, Can please? I just be Ben from <laughs> Kingsley? Like the guy that we've all, like I'm still the guy that we've yeah. all known each other for a long time. I've grown up here. You've grown up here. We all know each other. Let's drop that and let's yeah. talk about this person that you guys loved. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, there there can be that, that level of, oh man, there's, I'm coming into proximity of something that is holy and I'm supposed to measure up to something. And, um, yeah, it's feeling like that leper. Like we, yeah. And, and I just, man, you want to talk about a picture of faith. Yeah. Like we complicate faith so much. And you said it right there when you're talking about that prayer, that, that is just the most simple, beautiful picture of faith in Jesus. Right. Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Right. Lord, if you will, you can save me. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Yeah. And and even see see we can get caught up with this stuff too, in getting all excited about the power of Jesus to heal, and was it in the word? Was it in the touch? And and, and so caught up in that man's experience. But it seems to me, you know, I, there's a there's a preacher that I love to listen to, and I'm sure you've heard him too, Alastair Begg. Mm-hmm. He's from Scotland, right? And he always talks about um, uh, don't or that the main thing, the main thing is the plain thing, right? So, sorry, that was my horrible Scottish accent right, right there. <laughs> Meaning that the main part of scripture is what you're to focus on. And if it's not a main thing or a plain thing, it's probably not for us. Like too many times we start looking for little things and, and, and this little passage can be a little bit tricky because in my mind, I'm so caught up in the healing that I miss verse 13. It gives most of the words to Jesus' action, so here comes the guy says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. But why does Luke, who wrote this, why does he describe it this way? Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And so what this doesn't mean is, you know, I'm trying to think about, okay, what can we learn about the heart of God right here? You know, if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. So the heart of God, look at Jesus right right here. Is it so much in the fact that he wants you to be healed? Because not everybody gets healed. Or he wants you to be fixed because not everybody gets fixed. Ultimately, we will. But I think the, the main thing and the plain thing right here is the action that he did something no one else had ever done. He had stretched out his hand and touched him. 
and said, I will be clean. And to me, that's kind of saying that the heart of God is he wants to be with me. He's not afraid to, that I'm going to make him dirty, that it's okay for me to be up close and it's okay even in my diseased sinful self to invite him in. I haven't gone too far. You know, here he is. Um, to me, that's main and that's plain. And then, and then of course, in the, I mean, I could talk about this for an hour, but oh, I yeah, could yeah, too. Yeah, I, was just, yeah. I just almost went. I, no. I want to go completely would, deep here. Well, the go, bro. Okay. Go. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm hey, just thinking about. You know, the, if Bishop was here, do you know what he'd say? This is our podcast. Podcasts. We do whatever we, we want. Do what I want. <laughs> that was my Oklahoma accent. <laughs> I don't Sorry, know Bishop. where that was. It sounded like <laughs> South Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh, but no, you go real deep and real personal. This is the, this. You know how Jesus was interacting with him. He wasn't afraid of the thing he was most ashamed of. So even in our personal Ooh, journey, say that again. Oh, Jesus was not afraid of going and actually interacting. I don't want, yeah, <laughs> interacting with what this leper was most ashamed of. That's right. Like this is the most physical. Uh, I, I don't think we can really wrap our heads around the level of shame and the level of um, being ostracized that he was experiencing. And there's there was no hiding it. Um, obviously, right. But even those places in our heart that we're most ashamed of, that thing that happened to us, that thing we did. Um, that thing we don't want anybody to know about. Jesus is not afraid of that. And and <laughs> he can go there and he will go there. And and there is that level of Jesus or Lord, if you will, can you can you come in and do something with this thing that's haunting me? Right. If you will. If you will. Right. And Jesus does. And I think Jesus ultimately wants to heal all of us. But it's there's a, there's a purpose there's a timing yes um and if it doesn't serve his purpose he's not going to but it doesn't change the fact that he doesn't want to be near us you know i don't know why but but the verse that popped into my mind from second corinthians when when I, when i when you started talking about that second corinthians 521 it says for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So for our sake, because God loved us so much, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. So he made Christ himself sin, to be sin, to take on our sin. And it's speaking there literally of the cross. He was ultimately sin on the cross, and that's why he was crushed and killed uh, as a sacrifice, the perfect lamb for our sins. He made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And I think I'm thinking about that because, again, Jesus isn't afraid of what I'm most ashamed of because his righteousness always cancels out my sin. His goodness cancels out my sinfulness. His health cancels out my leprosy. His light cancels out my darkness. And this is the heart of God, you know. This is this is who we love. This is who we serve. And then, uh, you know, I've always thought it was funny and maybe I shouldn't, but... Uh, you know, Jesus tells him, hey, go go and show yourself to the priest, make an offering. That's what they were supposed to do once you were healed. If you were miraculously healed, you had to go to the priest was also kind of was the family doctor. And he had to make sure that you were suitable to come back into society and make your little offering and da, 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 da. And, but Jesus said, don't tell anyone, which is the greatest marketing you could ever do, especially <laughs> in Northern Michigan. If you live in a small town, <laughs> it tells, don't tell anybody. Amen. <laughs> and then it's on Facebook, it's on Twitter, it's on social media, because it says here, 
Uh, but now even more, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him. So word gets out. Yes. Hey, do, yes. You, hey, do you remember uh, uh, Joe? You know, yeah, Joe Smith. Yeah, that guy that had leprosy. I saw him the other day. He's perfectly restored. Yeah, he even got his nose back. Remember his nose fell off at, right. you know, <laughs> at, at Passover and now, and yeah, he's perfectly healed. Yeah. And we don't you know. sure it's Joe? Yeah, it's Joe. Yeah, I you know, know it's Joe. And, <laughs> and, and we don't know if, it, if the leper actually went against that or if it was just people putting two and two together. Hey, right. this guy who's been healing people was in town, that guy who's had leprosy for years and years, suddenly he's healed. Jesus just left again. I, you know, I, and, and people are putting two and two together and going, man, right. everywhere Jesus goes, people are being healed. And it's it's amazing. Um, and, uh, you know, just kind of geeking out on, on the overarching theme of Luke, this is really... Uh, in, in kind of chapter four, partway through chapter four is where we start seeing Jesus actually beginning to do things that are identifying who he is. That's it's right. like the identification of, of, of the Son of God. The Messiah has come. The Messiah yeah. has come. Because there's healing, there's teaching. Yes. And, and, you know, even uh, with the sermon this past weekend that we were looking at with the, with the crowds pressing up so close that Jesus had to get in a boat. Like he had to pull away and get in a boat because he's going to be pushed into the lake or the Dead Sea is what it was. Or sorry, the Sea of Galilee. Um, but right here, it's saying again, it's emphasizing great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed. The busyness, the press, like Jesus wasn't just, you know, like a monk that's just walking around in a Zen-like state going bless, bless, bless. He's got the 12 disciples or he's gathering them now. Um, and he's got followers, there's crowds, there is no place he can go. And then you get to that little verse 16 that kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. If you're reading chapter five, when you get to verse 16, it almost looks like it has nothing to do with anything else because it's going to be healing. Then there's healing, then there's calling. And then there's a Q and a with some Pharisees is kind of where we're going in this chapter. So it's constant that is detractors. Are you really the one, the Pharisees and the scribes, and there's a leper guy and, and there's controversy and, and the crowds, the crowds, the crowds. And then you have verse 16. You want to read it for us? Yeah. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Boom. Boom. Just drop, um, just, we're going to drop that Peace. I want that to be my life first. I'm just going <laughs> to withdraw to light. That's well, bro, you do that anyways. <laughs> you do that anyways. No, it's... Uh, I, I mean, I withdraw to desolate enough. places and cry. No, yeah. but... <laughs> that's how it starts. Uh, yeah, so that's I, how it starts. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But how does he do that? I, I think the Holy Spirit... Well, I, I don't know. Why do you think right there... I, why do you think right there that that verse just gets dropped in the middle of all this chaos? Through, through all of this, he still is prioritizing. Uh, he, through all of this, he's still modeling for us what it is to be his follower. He's showing us how to be a little Christ. I think there's a part of that. I, I think he needed to go and, well, it's speculation, but there's something important about getting back to actually be able to hear from your father, get more instruction. <laughs> yeah. You know, okay, this is what's going on. Lord, how do I handle this? Um, he's showing us how to commune with his father uh, and get away from distractions. Um, not that the healing, not that the work of ministry, not that uh, any of these good things we do are are distractions, but there can become so much noise that it can be very difficult to hear, yeah. uh, hear from the Holy Spirit. And being able to get away, um, quiet ourselves, 
Uh, for me, anyway, that is when I am able to just hear a little bit better. Mm. Um, it refocuses me. Uh, I'm able to not drown in all of the demands. Yeah. Um, and Jesus is fully man at this point, too. He is fully God and fully man. So he is going to be dealing with the same pressures that we're going to, we're going to be dealing with. Um, he's dealing with the same, same temptations to overwork, to overdo. Oh, there's more need. Um, there was always something else for him to do. It's like living on a farm. You're never done. Right. For right. all the old farmers out there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So there, there was a period of church history, and, and you could look it up. Uh, there's this group of guys that uh, were called the Desert Fathers. There are these, uh, this is before, I believe, uh, if there's a church historian out there, sorry if I got this wrong, I believe it was before the church split into um, Greek Orthodox, Roman Catholic, and Protestant. Um, this was way back when it was still just one church, but there was a group of priests or monks, so to speak. Well, they were priests that became monks, and they felt so strongly about pursuing God in this manner. Uh, Luke 5, verse 16, withdrawing to desolate places and pray, that literally they set up a community in the desert where, where that's all they, they did. Like the pendulum swung. Do you see how that's a yes. pendulum swing? We talk about going to extremes one direction or yep. another. You know, I, I there was a church serv- service. I don't pray enough. That's it. I'm going to pray for five hours a day, every day, and I'm not going to work, and I'm not going to be nice to my kids or get any chores done and probably get fired because mm-hmm. I'm just so, well. Jesus found a way to balance the busy and the regular, what you have to do with life without compartmentalizing it by still having this discipline of what a mentor in my life called silence, solitude, and prayer. He said all three, now those, all three of those things are different. Silence, a place where, like you said, you can cut out the noise. Solitude, not isolation, but solitude where you can be alone with God. And then prayer, that's communing. Sometimes it's talking to God. Sometimes it's listening. For many of us, prayer just becomes an exercise before we eat with the family, you know, or right before we fall into bed and fall asleep about halfway through or first thing in the morning, wherever it is. But silence and solitude and prayer are disciplines. And Jesus models them right here. He would withdraw, right? So there's the solitude part to desolate places. There's Mm -hmm. the silent part. And he would pray. That's where he's pursuing God. Yes. And I think that's where his tank was being refilled, like you were saying. But he didn't stay out there. And I'm not ripping the desert fathers. There's a lot of good that came out of that. There's a lot they wrote and modeled. But that's not where he lived. I mean, there's there's a saying about becoming so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Well, Jesus was the best good in heaven and on earth. And this was a discipline that isn't just for Jesus. It's not just for pastors or missionaries. It's for all of us. But we resist it. We resist it. Uh, You know, I've talked to people before. They can't stand silence at all. Always have to be a radio. Mm -hmm. Always have to be talking. Podcast. Podcast. Noise. Music. Yes. They they can't even study in silence, Mm -hmm. which that's not me. I need complete silence (laughs) when I study because I'm ADD or solitude. You know, they... And I wonder why that is, why we fear silent solitude. You know, we'll pray maybe, but are they kind of surface prayers? Or are they kind of prayers that we really get to in the silence and the solitude that Jesus modeled for us? 
Yeah, it, it might just be simply uh, one of those things. Almost, I don't want to call it an addiction, but it's it's uh, where we just haven't learned how to do that. Oh, so so like an addiction to noise. Yeah, it, it, we're just very comfortable in that. And you know, I don't want to generalize all people. I'm not a brain psychologist or anything, but uh, adapting to something mm-hmm. new. If you're not used to silence, if you're not used to that solitude, you know, being able to you try it, do it in small increments. Okay, I can do it for five minutes. I made it. Yeah. Good for you. All right. Try that again for 15 minutes next week. Or six. <laughs> yeah, or six. Maybe <laughs> that's five, maybe yeah, six. Baby steps, right? Or five, you freaked out. Okay, try three. Yeah, let's back up. Let's try three. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and it it's a growth process um, in, in learning how to do that. And then over time, you start to realize, okay, yeah, I can do this. And, wow, I'm starting to feel a little bit refreshed. Hey, I'm actually hearing... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a sense of something from God this mm. way. And I don't want to turn this into a formula. I yeah. mean, that's the danger of any, any time oh, we good. do this. But at the same time, uh, there is something about being able to actually listen to God. And we see it back in the Old Testament. He doesn't shout. He's not, you know, uh, Elijah in the cave. Um, they passed by and there was an earthquake and he wasn't mm-hmm. in the earthquake. And there was a great... Oh, great uh, the, wind. All the wind, yeah. it wasn't in the wind, but then there was like there was a gentle whisper. A gentle was, whisper, Elijah, yeah. what are you doing here? <laughs> you see, I wonder sometimes for me, yeah. and I'm glad you corrected that. Like, we're not going to speak for all people, but for me, I think sometimes I'm afraid of the silence and the solitude in that prayer because I'm afraid of what God might say. And, yes. And I don't want to be afraid. I want to be in intimacy. So... Tab family, there's your challenge. We haven't even gotten, what, four verses, but that might be a challenge for you this week. Yes. What would it look like to pursue silent solitude and prayer, even driving to work? Mm-hmm. Cut the radio, cut the thing, no phone calls, no road rage, or maybe it's somewhere else. Just pursue it. Five minutes, 10 minutes, half hour, half a day. Go for it. I dare you. Yes. Give it a shot and <laughs> see, see what, what happens. happens. See you know? what happens. Bro, we said it at the same time. Jinx, oh, buy me a Coke. Yeah. <laughs> see what happens. Yep. That's a great challenge. And, uh, you know, even those, you know, you've talked about literally being on a mountain and I've experienced literally being on a mountain. And we're not talking about spiritual mountaintop experiences, but those faraway places where maybe mm-hmm. we're really struggling with something. And we have, you know, I've been out in Colorado on the side of a mountain, uh, you know, up 12,000 feet by myself, uh, having a conversation, having a conversation <laughs> with God. And trust me, we, there was, there was a convo had, and there was a lot of emotion in it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I know you've shared, I don't want to, you know, speak, no, speak for you, but I know you've shared in those same things where God, what do you, what do you want from me? Yeah. Or, what do you want from me? Or when am I done? Or what, what, what or having an like? argument with God and losing. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but it's a good loss. It is a good loss. <laughs> it and, was a good death. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so there are true like those desolate places, and um, where I've I have personally had those experiences where, and then coming back, and it doesn't make everything better. No, but I was able to actually get some things out in that time, and 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 I think the other part of that prayer, well, we're just going to keep going down this bunny trail. The whole prayer portion, uh, you know. Okay, do I just recite the Our Father? Right. Um, nothing wrong with that. Just reciting the Lord's Prayer. That's a great place to start. Um, but it's okay. I mean, this is something my my kids have asked me. Like, well, you know, do I need to 
how do I need to pray? It's like, well, how would you, how would you talk to me? I'm your dad. Yeah. Well, I just tell you. I'm like, okay, then just, just tell God. Just tell him. And sometimes it's okay to say it out or loud. Or just ask him. <laughs> yeah, just ask him. And then if you ask him, just listen. Yeah. It's amazing how that whole communication yeah. thing works. It is. <laughs> yeah, it is. And in that, it's easy to forget, you know, we're not just putting in our order at McDonald's when we talk to God. We are, this is a conversation with the living God who is alive, um, who is there and want, it, it, he's, he, we're not a bother. Right. He's really excited when we come to him right. like this. But I also think, and and again, there's so much in 16, is uh, he, he doesn't want to, I don't want to say what God doesn't want to do. It doesn't seem that God wants to compete with distractions and with the noise. And so he won't. That's why we need to pursue him in the silence and the solitude. That's where we pursue him in these lonely, desolate, desolate places like Jesus did. And he was God in flesh. And as we've said a hundred times before, it was good enough for Jesus, probably good enough for us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and even the distractions, I'm, yeah, I just have that word desolate jumping off to me. And I can remember my first mission trip going to Haiti and uh, having everything I, you know, literally an ocean separating you from the mainland, um, completely foreign country, everything I really had in my possession fit into a backpack. <laughs> and so even those physical distractions around oh, us, good. Yeah. getting away from the dishes, getting away from the the devices the devices yeah. all of the stuff that whole that that word desolate no wasted words why a desolate place mm. why not just well I, he walked outside of town yeah you know, desolate there's nothing um, we're talking in it's a removal of physical distractions for us and and I remember being in Haiti and because there was there was plenty going on around obviously but personally the amount of Getting out of my normal world where I was staring at the, the all the projects that needed done around the house, distracting me. Yeah. All of the, you know, my kids need this and, you know, the, the intera- even the interaction with my wife. I love my wife. Um, and we have great conversations, great marriage. But I, we're even learning that getting away individually is healthy for us. It's good. Um, so, yeah. That's a good word, desolate. That is good. Desolate. It sounds so like it would be the name of a movie. It should be. It's just desolate, rated yeah. R. <laughs> yeah, so that whole getting away to getting out of, away from all of that that normal that I'm around here, my day-to-day life, getting somewhere different, um, there was something that happened in that, uh, on that mission trip, which is why we are always big proponents of people, uh, not that we're going to go fix any country, mm-hmm. but there is something when you get away um, that can happen. You know what's going to happen when Bishop comes back? He's going to kill us if this podcast is three hours long. Yes, we probably should keep going here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Bishop, uh, you work for us, bro, so yeah. just don't hurt me. Well, according to the ticker over there, we've gone an hour and a half. Are you kidding me? No, we couldn't have gone that long. No, no we're not that yeah. far in. There's something wrong with that clock. <laughs> All right. Well, the, Talk to the tech guy. The best part is when the clock on Sunday goes dead because now we don't care. We don't care. Yeah. Buckle up, people. Buckle up. Better order some pizzas. We're going to be here for a while. Yeah, sweet. Last service on Sunday. All right, we're going to keep going here. Uh, Verse 17. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. 
who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been laying on and went home, glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. There's times when I wish I could shut my preacher brain off, (laughs) but I can't. And unfortunately and fortunately, I've studied this one a lot. I've preached this one a lot. And I'm trying my best not to just turn it into, you know, old ground, but... It's such a great story. It's a powerful story of a paralyzed man. I mean, the ultimate and plain thing is a paralyzed man walked. The Pharisees get dissed, and there's so many characters in it. So we, and, and this is recorded in another gospel where we have all these people pressed in, and word is spreading. And honestly, besides Jesus, my favorite people in the story are the some men. Yes. The some men who I've labeled the dominoes. That there's because it took at least four, maybe six, to carry this guy who they loved and cared about enough that they're going to bring him to Jesus. And we have every excuse in the world not to bring people to Jesus. We're too busy. It's going to be awkward. I don't want to proselytize. I don't like crowds. I don't like crowds. (laughs) They don't like crowds. This isn't going to be their scene. And really, the paralytic is just kind of. He's passive in the story. I mean, at least from what we know. Now, maybe he asked these guys, but it doesn't matter. It says some men, they brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were so intent, like nothing was going to get in their way. You know, how many times we told somebody, hey, invite somebody to church, and the only time we'd ever do it is Easter. But no, invite somebody to church and go pick them up. Invite someone to church and invite them to your house. I mean, these guys... They got a whole bunch of dudes to bring one to church. Well, they got creative. Yeah, they, it yeah. says, you know, in verse 19, but finding no way to bring them in. Okay, I've, I've used all the, the usuals. Hey, would you like to come along? Oh, we've got good coffee. Yeah. Now they get creative. Uh, okay, we're going to cut a hole in the roof. We're going to cut a hole. We're going to destroy someone's property. Yes. Well, and we're going to get paralyzed guy on the roof, right? Yeah. Which I, I guess they're thinking, I mean, what worse? I mean, what if they drop him? Well, what worse can happen to the guy? Right? I mean, he's paralyzed. I mean, that sounds terrible, but they're taking all these risks themselves, yeah. and then they drop him before Jesus. So that's the first thing is I just love the commitment of those, you know, and I just wrote here on my little notepad here, some men. Yeah. We don't know their names. They, I don't think they get to be in the disciples, but to me, they're in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. They're, I mean, if there's a Bible Hall of Fame, they, they got to be in the Hall of Fame that the the unknown, like the Tomb of the Unknown or the Hall of Fame of the Unknown. Someday I want to meet those guys. The what were men. you thinking? You know, and, and 
I, I was just thinking, those are the type of guys I like to have as friends. Of course, because they're roofers. Yeah. Ah, do you see how I did that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> those are roofers, man. They gotta yeah. be. I mean, if, I mean, because they know their way around a tile roof. It doesn't say they destroyed it. They removed some tiles. Yeah. You know, I got some tiles off my roof right now because yeah. that windstorm, but they removed, also known as shingles. Also known but as shingles. Some tabs, right? But they, they removed some yeah. and they let this guy down. Mm-hmm. But it was, man, the intention of their heart. Yeah. Like, talk about compassion or passion for lost people, for hurting people, people that need healing. Yeah. So to me, I mean, it's like, yeah. And, and how far they're going for their friend here. Yeah. And just that level of, you know, for, um, yeah, he's lost, he's hurt. Um, you you got to really love somebody, man. And and just I taught, a lot of times we go through life and we've got acquaintances. We've got drinking buddies. We've got, you know, there's someone, you know. Just somebody I work with. Work with. Go to school with this person. With. Yeah. But, man, I'm, I'm so happy for this guy, this paralyzed guy. He, he couldn't have had a lot to offer him. But these people are his son, the some men. Yeah, you know, I don't know if they're family. I don't know if they're friends. We don't know. They go to high school together. No idea. Maybe they work together. They may work together. Oh, Who knows, dude? I just had a thought. Never thought this thought before. So here's a new thought. Maybe it's a preacher thought. What if they were all roofers together, and this guy fell off a roof and was paralyzed? There you go. And then they're like, "We're going to get him fixed. We're going to get our bro fixed." It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But it's that. I wonder sometimes. Do I love lost people, broken people, hurting people, people who need a healing from Jesus? Do I love them as much as those guys did? Yeah. Because they took a big, big risk. Because they could get him there and Jesus does nothing. Or they could get him there and, you know, if it's some one of these Pharisee types, it's like, how dare you break someone else's roof? You know, you're going to pay this back fourfold. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, you got to wait in line like everybody else. But there there's a... There's an intention there. And then it says, uh, verse 20, this is the key. And this is why I don't think it's a mistake to make it about the some men. It says, when he saw their faith. Now, we have to include the faith of the paralyzed man because I don't think Jesus is forgiving sins of someone that has no faith in him. That's what I'm guessing. Yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense there. But it says there, and that's plural. So it's, it's not just the, the, the mustard seed faith of paralyzed guy that's like, wow, these guys are really doing this. They're really letting me down through the roof to go see this rabbi that everyone's talking about that maybe this is my only shot at healing. But it says when he saw their faith combined, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. Now, what I love about that, and we can, oh man, we, we can, can be here for hours. For a while. But yeah, we gotta be careful here. But yeah. What I love about that is Jesus treats what's most important first. How many times do I come to God with my need thinking that's the most important thing? He didn't say when he saw their faith, he healed him and instantly got up and ran around. No, he deals with what's most important first. The most important need of that man was to have his sins forgiven by God in flesh. So he says, man, your sins are forgiven you. And of course, that's what ticks off the religious leaders. Yeah, and again, back to the the identification. You know, he's starting to identify who he is to people by by doing that, and uh, in the, and then you know by saying uh, so that you may know the Son of God has authority to forgive sins. I'm gonna I'm gonna show you how much authority I've got, and here's 
Yeah. Here's, so there was reason, there was intention on Jesus' part behind this, showing who he is. Um, and it wasn't for the, you know, it wasn't for these, those men, it wasn't for their glory. He definitely, uh, you know, praised them. Wow, you guys have great faith. And because of this combined faith that I see here, yes, this man's sins are forgiven. Um, but there was also some intention, who was who getting the glory on this? Who, well, who was going to... At this point, it's not so much the glory as he's he's going to catch the wrath of these guys now. Right. Now he's really upsetting them. Um, but know, people did at the end there. It says they the people were glorifying God with an amazement sees them all. And that's right. They glorified. It says it twice. They glorified God. Were filled with awe, saying, "We have seen extraordinary, extraordinary. things." That, yeah. Yes. You know, I, I was thinking about uh, this as well. You know, we look at it the Fight Club style. What's it say? Now, what's it mean? Now, what's it mean for me? One of the things it means for me is I can be so quick to judge the Pharisees, the scribes and the Pharisees. Their question wasn't a bad one. It it, it was a legit question. Yeah, it's like, wait, 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 wait. Who is this? I mean, it all depends on their tone. Who is this that speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? That's my cheesy, like, you know, Bible version. Or what if it was like, wait a minute. who, who, Who is this that dares to, like blaspheme like that who can forgive sins but god is he saying what i think he's saying yeah like was it was inquisitive was it curious great point luke doesn't really tell us now i think and maybe it's in matthew or john where this is uh recorded as well one of those it says after that they you know they were ticked so they started to plot to kill him right because he did this i believe on a sunday too right so that really got him going um it's recorded in one of the other gospels but the question was a good one, um, but then we see Jesus perceiving what they're thinking, and he, he basically says, which is easier, your sins are forgiven, arise and walk, so that you may know that the Son of Man, who we know is the Son of God, has authority. To, just so you know that the one that just forgave sins, I'm going to give the miracle so you can see the heart part was the most important. It's just the proof. Yes. He's given them the proof they ask for, and we soon find out, not with all the Pharisees, because there were some Pharisees that became believers. Oh, yeah. But the majority of the Pharisees, uh, we, can't have a, we can't have a Messiah from Galilee, from Nazareth. We can't have one that's not super. We can't have one of those who's not one of us, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so he says again, by the word of his mouth, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And it was immediate. He picked up what he'd been lying on and went home and he's glorifying God and the people are glorifying God. And we have this big glory fest. Uh, and man, it's one of the movies I want to see in the movie room in heaven. I yeah. want to watch this scene to see how it played out. Yeah. No, that's good. So you his identity going. is starting to be revealed here, I think. Yeah. He's really starting to show who he is in some big, big ways. Uh, not only because he just, he really just stepped it up here. Right. But, you know, he's been healing people. That's going around. Great. Physical needs are being met. But now he's saying, oh, not only that, we're just going to up the ante. I'm going to tell you that, that your sins are that forgiven. That I'm really after your heart. You know, yeah. you know, I'm thinking right now of the skeptic who who is like, hey, look, Jesus was a good teacher. I don't quite understand it. Somehow he was some sort of miracle worker too. Uh, but I don't think he was the son of God. I don't think he was the Messiah. You haven't really read the Gospels because all the way through, like right here is an example. They said, who can forgive sins but God alone? And he says, just so you know that I have the authority, 
that I am God alone, I'm going to tell them to pick up it. He gave them what they wanted. That's all they needed right there. Yeah. <laughs> Who heals a paralyzed dude after forgiving him of his sins? You asked the question. He answered it with proof, tangible proof. Wasn't enough. Yeah. Wasn't enough. Yeah. So then he's going to further identify who he is in verse 27. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he, being Levi, rose and followed Jesus. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. We're going to pause right there. Yeah, we're going to pause <laughs> right there. Yeah. So this guy Levi uh, is also known as Matthew. Um, uh, I, I can't remember which one is the Greek name and which one is the Jewish name, but Levi is, or I guess Levi is the Jewish name. Yeah, I believe and so Levi Matthew is. would be the Greek name, yes. right? And so this is the guy that wrote Matthew's gospel. Mm-hmm. And this, uh, apparently this guy, Matthew, um, was a sinner. Uh, he was a tax collector. He was probably a cheat. He probably stole people. He inflated the prices, or at least that's what was perceived about him. Yeah. So he's probably also wealthy. Yes. Which, which, by the way, shameless plug here for the little series that's out. I think it's season two, The Chosen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Chosen, oh, it's got this brilliant rendition of who Matthew might have been like. Mm-hmm. I love it. You know, <laughs> he's somewhere on the spectrum, somewhere on the autistic scale, and he's wealthy and nobody likes him. And the, it's really played up well by kind of how those writers imagined it. But this, this whole little section here, these... Um, these uh, five verses deal with how he was called that literally he was in his tax booth and Jesus just says, follow me. And he left everything. He left the money, closed down the shop. He quit his job. He rose and he followed him. And uh, yeah, it was controversial according to this passage. Yeah. And I was reading a commentary on this earlier that there was a possibility because those tax collectors would often be setting up on a, on a main uh, on a main road. And as you came into town, you would pay a customs tax. They had all sorts of, you think we're taxed now. They had all sorts oh, they of had to, creative <laughs> taxes. The government have, gets theirs. <laughs> yes. They were making sure they got theirs. And these guys, uh, they weren't paid by the government. You had, uh, basically you were working on commission. So you, uh, mm. you would charge enough to cover your own plus whatever extra you need or cover what uh, needed to be paid to the taxes, but then you were expected to get enough to cover your own, however much salary wow. or money a year you thought you needed to be you needed to make. And a lot of these guys were very well known because as you traveled in and out of town, if you're going, you know, fifty miles, here comes you're, the tax man. You're going to GR and you're coming back. As soon as you hit Cadillac, you got to drive past Levi's booth, and you know you don't pass without unrolling everything. So a lot of these guys were well known, and there's wow. a this this guy was, you know. Uh, threw it out there. There was a good chance Levi and Jesus had known each other for a while. Hmm. You know that there there had been some interaction back and Maybe forth. Maybe he'd been listening in. He had been listening yeah. in, and suddenly, you know, his heart's moved. Jesus makes that call to him, and he gets up and he does leave. And uh, this is just a great picture. Uh, you know, Levi even then invites him into his house, and this picture of Jesus going, "Yeah, I have no problem going to hang out with you, Levi." Uh, we're going to do this. I'm, I'm with you. And we're doing this together. That That's a great insight 
And, and for me, if you look at verse 29, I've, I never saw this before. It says, when Levi invited him to a great feast in his house, Levi basically invited all of his unsaved friends. He invited all of his non-church friends. He invited all, it says, a large company of tax collectors and others reclined at table. So he's got this huge feast of all of his tax collector buddies that nobody likes, and they're also outcasts. So it's not just the poor outcast with leprosy. Here's the wealthy outcast that everyone says about him. Buckle up, Northern Michigan. Must be nice. Oh, I, you know, I, it must be nice to own the company. It must be nice to be born with a silver spoon in your mouth. Or, you, you know, whatever we say when we begrudgingly look at anyone that's got more than we do, that's Matthew. So you can be an outcast in plain sight with a really nice Ford F-150 truck that's, you know, with a really big and still be an outcast, right? So, so, so Jesus is kind of saying, look, the poor don't have a corner on me, neither do the rich. I'm here for everyone. And this guy, Levi, he's invited everyone because of what the Pharisees say. The Pharisees and their scribes grumbled saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? So everyone in that house, except Jesus, and I guess his disciples, were known to be outcasts. These are all the mafias in there, you know, the bad guys, the, you know, the unholy, the drunkards, the, you know, the philanderers or the people that we all gossip about. They've got Jesus and these guys grumble. And, and yeah, so yeah, let me pause there. No, I, that's the scene. It is. It's a great scene. And, and you know, my big, one of my big plain things is the main thing uh, mm-hmm. point for this is that J- Jesus is not affected by your sin. I don't know how I, your I sin doesn't make him dirty. It does not yeah. make him dirty. And, um, if you are a Christian walking into an establishment, walking into a group of people, going to hang out at someone's house is not going to infect you. But I, the, and the one thing I, I wrote down here is, but it depends on your motive. Yeah. Good. Because a lot of times, you know, okay, you Christians, we can we can go hang out with people. We can go, in fact, should. you really should. If you're not, uh, you're probably not. Well, I'll just stop. Sorry, there. we just should on the entire Tab <laughs> Podcast fam family, but you should. <laughs> but you should. Jesus did. He modeled it. He went. He sat with people who were sinners, and um, yeah. And, and I've talked to people who are just like they're so worried about. Um, well, if I do that, I, I you know, it, it depends on are are you going there to influence people? Are you going there Ooh, to or to be influenced? That's good. Now I've had times. I've got certain. Certain things uh, in my life that I I'm not gonna watch or I'm not gonna do because they do influence me. Whether right. I like to or not, like I'll watch something and I'll go away from that. And it's like I'm in a really bad mood. I'm angry. Yeah, um, I don't need to watch that. I don't need that's to watch gonna that. Put me in a bad place. That's gonna put me in a bad place. Or I'm not gonna do that. It's gonna cause me to stumble or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Um. It, but the motive behind it, going into you know a party, uh, going to hang out with a group of people. Yeah, they don't go to church. Yeah, it's a really rough group of people. Um, being able to go and, and, and just be a positive influence, uh, you know, and it's not that you got to go and you got to preach or anything like that. Um, but going to just shine a little light mm. in that place, Jesus got your back. Um, you know, got to have oh, that, some, no, gotta, that's really good. Got to have some guardrails, obviously. Right. Um, because I'm not the son of God. No, I'm not the son of God. But, but he was fully God and fully man. And I'm fully man with 
the son of God, his spirit lives in me. Yes. So it isn't as different as we try to make it. And I, I think you're onto something here because, so verse 31 is a famous saying of Jesus that's repeated quite often, um, which I, I think it's interesting. The Pharisees and scribes grumble to the disciples. Why are you guys in there with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answers though. Yes. Is Did he overhear it? Did he say, look, I'll speak for the guys. Did the disciples pass along? It doesn't tell us explicitly, but it does explicitly say that they grumbled to the disciples, but Jesus answered, right? Yes. Which, uh, which may or may not remind me of the local church <laughs> where, you know, uh, uh, well, let's not even go there. We don't have As, to go there. Yeah, we but... grumble to others yeah. and then not to the person that we're really grumbling about, yeah. but Jesus answers and it says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. So in other words, people who are healthy don't need a doctor. It's sick people. Yeah. And then he says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So for us, one of the values of our church is about being a domino. And you cannot be a domino. Well, you can. You can be like a, a domino for other Christians. And what I mean by that, if, if you haven't been around our church for a minute, is when you line up dominoes in a line, you're called to live a life of influence as one single domino influencing in that domino chain. When one domino falls, it knocks other dominoes down. And we want to point people to the cross. We want to point people to Jesus. And so he says right here, I haven't come for people who are righteous, but for unrighteous. And these holy huddles sometimes that we make. Holy huddles. That's the, that's yeah. the phrase I was trying yeah. to come up with. <laughs> holy huddles are we hunker in the Christian bunker yeah. where it's like, keep all the people that disagree with us out. You know, I'm only going to associate with Christian people and Christian friends and my kids with Christian kids. And, you know, we're, 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 we're just going to, the separatists tried this and it doesn't work. No. That's how cults are created, you know? And here we see the son of God out there with sinners, calling them to repentance, right? Yes. We sometimes, and, and what, what, what you're describing is Ben Brown at a party, not doing anything wrong or anything sinful, but some gathering of all the people that you used to roll with, what an amazing testimony that is. Mm-hmm. Because people that knew Ben before right. or in high school now are like, Ben, you're different. And your family, yeah, I got you going. Come on, you've told me a little bit of the stories. It's like, bro, what happened? Yeah. They just gave you an invitation to talk about Jesus. Yeah. Because it isn't just that you grew up and you had a family and you settled down. It's everything in your life has changed. You've bet your entire life on Christ, and it's evident. It's evident you, it's evident your wife, it's evident your kids. I'm bragging on you right now. Oh, thank you. Because the tab hires good people, right? Called people. And I believe you're called to this. And, and it says that when we're out there hanging out with sinners, there's somehow, to me, this means we're actually either verbally or non-verbally, we're calling people to repentance. Mm-hmm. I'm not too good to hang with you. But when we hunker in the bunker or, you know, we only hang out with people like us mm-hmm. out of fear, literally, we are a physician or at least someone that knows the cure and we're just hanging out with healthy people. Right. How right. horrible would it be to have the cure for cancer and not tell anybody? Or the cure for world hunger and keep it to yourself or just to your group that has food? Mm-hmm. Essentially, it's saying the same thing, to me at least. Maybe no, I'm overstating it. No, I, I, I agree 100%. And uh, what I love about Jesus' answer is it's, it's just purely logical. And he's not even dissing the Pharisees. 
Yeah. You know, he, he's not saying well, you brood of vipers at this point or anything like that. He's just saying, well, you know, I'm the righteous have already repented. Yeah. I don't need to talk to them. Good for to, you. you. Good for you. You guys are good. <laughs> yeah. I don't need to come to your house. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go hang out here with some people that, that they need to learn a few things and they need to have their hearts challenged. And uh, I've got some influence here. Um, so, yeah, you know, and it really, I think for any of us who are in that position, I think it is a good heart check because this could get used for licentiousness. Yes. You know, where it's this like, true. well, I can yeah. go, I can go to do anything. I'm going New Year's Eve. No. I'm going to do it all up. I was drinking with my buddies. I was at the fair. Oh, I'm a Christian. I'm just trying to, well, you're not influencing them in any positive way. Right. You're using it as an excuse to go back to maybe an old habit that you might need to, might need to have some guardrails in your life against. Um, but if your motive really is pure and it's like, no, I, I love these people. I see value in them. I want them to experience the life change that I've experienced. Um, and you're going with that to, to be a positive influence and not for just to have an excuse to partake in, well, in sin. That's what mm-hmm. it is. We'll just call it what it is. Um, I think that's the important distinction yeah. there for us. And, uh, you know, on the way, if you're just tuning in, you're not a believer and you listen to this, man, don't be afraid to invite, uh, to have somebody who's a Christian and, and you're like, I really like this guy and there's just something different about him. Invite him to your house. It's okay. Right. He's not going to bite. He better <laughs> not. If he does, call us. We'll stick somebody on him. And um, and just to add to that, if you're not a believer or you're new to faith, uh, for most of us on staff, I don't want to speak to everyone on staff, if it's a staff person you're inviting to dinner, most of us are more likely to say yes to you than we are to someone who's been in church for more than a minute. And that's yeah. not a diss either. No. Because practically, and maybe we shouldn't even go on this bunny trail, and if Bishop doesn't like it, he'll edit this part out because <laughs> he has control of this because, you know, he's he the does. producer or he whatever is. he is. Yeah, the co- whatever. He's bigger than me. He's the grandmaster uh, He's the grandmaster Jedi of this. But uh, I'd, I'd fight this same battle early in ministry when church people wanted to take up all the time of myself and the few people we had on staff. Mm -hmm. And especially 17, 16, 17 years ago, we were just trying to rebuild the walls here. And it was, you know, I'm coaching soccer to get out in the community. I'm spending as much time as I can with people that maybe are unchurched and, you know, spending time in their homes, being invited places and, and, uh, and wanting to spend time with them. But there was this expectation that, well, if you're going to be the local church pastor, well, you've got to have lunch with this person and coffee with this person and breakfast with this. Man, that's a lot of coffees and breakfasts and lunches and dinners. Mm-hmm. And there's only so many you can have in a day. And and the priority is not that we don't care about the saved. It's that Jesus said to go and make disciples of all nations. So it's evangelistic in nature. Get people to meet Jesus disciple them in the faith, and then we got to move on. Yeah. And I think many times disciples just want more discipleship. Well, how deep can you go before you become part of the program? You know, <laughs> I mean, how how much of Ben Brown do you want before you're like, hey, why don't you join the mission that Ben Brown is on? Yeah. And, you know, we'll and have John plenty. Vermillion and everybody yeah. else, because yeah. we've got a ton of people. Tim Burgess, Martin Rizzi, Seth well, Bush, and ministry you know, Adam Sharp, we got people, Bishop. Yeah, we yeah. got tons of people here at the Tabernacle that are doing this, that are out there getting 100%. after 100%. But, yeah, if it starts to become more about, well, how come I don't get to have dinner with so-and-so? It's like, we'll have well, dinner. How about this? Here's a promise to all those people that I've let down for coffee, breakfast, lunch, dinner, or just call me when you have a chance. In heaven, we'll do all of that stuff. Yep. I promise. Because we have eternity. Yes. And so we can, that is our time to fellowship. Right right now, listen, 
we're going to get after it and we'll rest when we, when we're dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then the other part of that, like if, if you got a, like a, a pastor or somebody that you really feel like you, you need the, a lot of their time, I'm just going to promise you and, uh, none of them, none of us are that big a deal. We're, Especially we're this just, one. <laughs> we're just going to disappoint you, I promise. <laughs> oh, that's that's why I'm always like when someone's like, hey, you know, I, th- I really think we should get together. I'm like, you know what? You, I think you should talk to Ben. I think you should talk to Tim. I think you should talk to Seth or Martin because those guys are way more impressive than I I am. And if if, if we really hang out, I'm just going to let you down. Well, that's funny because I send them back to you. I was like, man, uh, I, you're, I think you really need to it. talk to John. Send them to John Williams. <laughs> John Williams will not let you down. No. I'm going to get in trouble for no, that. No, we're not comparing ourselves to Jesus. We're not comparing ourselves. It it, it just, when, when you are actively out there uh, in any ministerial role, um there's there's just going to always be a draw for, for for some people that want your time but um just being able to go no it's really important that I I I prioritize spending some time with people that that don't know Jesus right uh, for for any of us um you know f- famous author I think you've told the story uh um Erwin McManus barbarian yes. way Erwin McManus when yeah. he is going through a lobby or anything or if, after a post, or right after service, I, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I'll let you finish because yeah. you you know this story a little bit yeah, better. Yeah, it, it, it had something to do. Oh, it was Heidi was actually visiting his church in California. Okay. And she was so excited because she just wanted to meet him and say what a great impact that he's had on her husband and, and me and, you know, those of us that were part of this church and and the handlers, because uh, Mosaic has handlers, I, I guess, were, were kind of like... Um, listen, if you're a believer and you're just here to have a book signed or something like that, um, you're feel free to wait, but the priority is going to be people who are not Christians that would like to meet him. And so literally, if you weren't a Christian, you got special treatment. And if you were a Christian, you were going to have to wait a long time or not see him at all. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing was Heidi was okay with that. Yeah. She was just like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, and then just, awesome. I mean, she wasn't hurt. She wasn't offended. Yeah. And, and. And I'm glad you said what you said because I've been in that position too. I've been in the position. My father was my pastor my whole life because I was raised a preacher's kid. And then when my wife and I, when Darcy and I got married, we bounced around from a couple different churches when we lived in North Carolina. And the church we settled on was a huge church with a a very skilled pastor, one of the best expositors of the word that I've ever heard. I mean, he he could make any passage come alive. I mean, he would he took like two years to take us through the book of Romans, right? And he was Pastor Jimmy, Jimmy Callum Jr. And uh, for whatever reason, he took an interest in me. Now, there was probably 2,000 people that went to that church, mm-hmm. close to it at least, 1,500, 2,000. He couldn't do that with everybody. But there was something in me, and as I look back, maybe I was the tax collectors and sinners, yeah. Because in my mind, it was like, Lord, I'll do anything for you, but I'm never going to be a pastor. And he was the first one that made me believe that there was something in me that God might want to use this way. And and it was like... You're killing me, John. I'm killing, killing you. Yeah. Right he was the... So, so he did oh, for man. one what he couldn't do for all. Yeah. He did for... And to be honest, uh, uh, you know, I'm thir- sorry, 28, 27, 28 years. He tried to hire me. He offered me a job and it wasn't a fit 
But it wasn't like one or two years later that I found myself called to Buckley. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, God used him as a domino, right? So who knows out of these tax collectors and sinners that Jesus hung out with besides Levi or Matthew, Mm -hmm. what did these guys go on to do? You know, John, I just... (laughs) Go for it. Killing me, man, because that was me too. Mm -hmm. And... Okay, we're going to bromance out here. Buckle up, people. This is getting no, awkward this down is in the get awkward. No, but this, seriously, when I, sh- when I showed up at my first time at a fight club, my first experience at the Tabernacle was at a fight club. It wasn't coming to a service. That's right. It was at a fight club. And I I knew a little bit about the Bible. I had been attending church. I mean, I I, I I grew up going to church, but it like it— It just didn't click. It didn't yeah. click, and I really had no interest back then. But there was something stirring inside of me that I was interested in at least learning what the Bible said. I, I, and I wasn't a Christian. I was not saved at that point. And I'm coming to Fight Club, and there was something that was like, wow, this is interesting. And it was an invitation. It, only was, an invi- it was an invitation. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, Matt actually had he, – he, that was the weird thing is he's like, well, I'll have to call and see if I can bring you along. <laughs> and I was like, dude, this is a big uh, deal. Okay. And – and this guy named John V said, Johnny V, uh, but no, just John, who is now my friend, um, said, yeah, bring this guy along. It's okay. Bring this. Mm. And and I came, and, and and I'm not the only one that you've done this with, but there was some in- intentionality that you put into, you know, okay, Ben's coming to Fight Club. He's asking questions. He's talking a lot he's saying well okay he's interested here Mm -hmm. and and then you you saw that and i think jesus probably saw the same thing with levi here there was just something there that there was a spark happening and you were intentional about pouring into me and then you know there was other people came alongside and were pouring into me i mean i think about my first men's retreat some of the guys were on my team oh yeah um, wow you know matt stevens you know Going up, here's some guy, and he'd call me up and take me well, fishing. And because, fishing. and then I figured out that once he gets you in a boat in February in the Manistee River, he's got a captive audience. Yes, he and does. I was like, okay. God bless There him, was a man. lot of intentionality from a lot of uh, some of the older saints around here that by them being willing to pour and, and intentionally spend time, you know, Matt Stevens started, him and Sandra, they started inviting my, my wife and my family over every Sunday night to their house. And we just really? go, oh, yeah. Wow. He, every Sunday night we were over there, and it was just them and us, and we'd sit down, and we'd just do a little informal Bible study. And Matt cool. made it super um, just, uh, just it, it wasn't intimidating. Mm. It was just super relaxed, super chill, um, and we just got to know a little bit more and a little bit more. And he was always so humble going, oh, I'm getting more out of this. You're teaching me stuff. Mm. Um, but there was, and then it was a couple of years later, I was, wait, wait a minute. Yeah. I, you know, he yeah. was being super intentional about discipling me. Um, and you, and there was just, there were, there was a yeah. whole plethora of people back then that were pouring into my wife and me and bring your kids. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And we were, we, we were the Levi's. And you, you know, what's so cool about that. You, you and I were having a conversation about this a couple of weeks or days ago. I can't remember. Is it 2022 now? Yeah, it's 2022. But um, there are times when churches try to put that whole process that you just briefly touched on. We try to quantify it. We try to architect it. We try to program it and it never works. Right. 
And I've actually had people walk up to me and say, you know, the problem is, John, this is something that you need to do at this church or somebody needs to do is we need to have a process. We need to manufacture. We need a factory that does this because who gets the glory for that whole story that you just shared is Christ himself, Mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit of Christ that first nudged you, that was working on you and working on your wife. And it was the right time, the right moment in the right place, and it happened to be on a roof. And the Holy Spirit nudged another domino named Matt Douglas. Mm-hmm. I just outed him. Yep, we right? just outed you, Matt. <laughs> yeah, sorry. And he was going to Fight Club, and there was a conversation. And then the Holy Spirit nudged me. And then the Holy Spirit started nudging the guys you were making friends with in that invitation-only Fight Club. And then the Holy Spirit's working through Matt and Sandra and probably dozens of others that we don't have time to mention. No. That just that God used that helped be that Jesus with skin on, hanging out with tax collectors and sinners that's brought this radical transformation. And it's almost better to me that it's not, I mean, it doesn't mean we sit back and do nothing, but it means for all of us, if we're in the game, if we're getting in the game where God is calling us with who he's laid on our hearts, that's how discipleship happens within this community. And sometimes it happens like that where you were hungry coming in and soaking it up. Sometimes it happens because the Holy Spirit says, go and get somebody. And, and we see that in this story. Jesus decided that was the time and he's walking by and he saw him and he went and got him. He goes, Levi, follow me. He knew it was the time. And Levi's like, boom, that's all I was waiting for. And I've seen the same thing happen. And sometimes, and, and, and I don't want to take credit for this because here's a warning is I'm about to do another one of those, uh, fight clubs, invitation only style where we go through first Timothy. And Mm -hmm. I've got, uh, probably a half a dozen women that have posted me up in a Mm -hmm. lobby in the last six months that has just said, hey, you know, kind of looking around, making sure no one else could hear it. Uh, please don't say anything, but the next time you're doing one of those fight clubs, can you please ask my husband? <laughs> and it's the desperate plea of a wife yeah. for a husband that is running or keeping everything at arm's length. And, and that's the Holy Spirit working in a wife yeah. because when that happens, I can't say no. I'm like, <laughs> so there's a couple of you guys, you don't even know who you are, but there's a big giant target that your wife just put with a laser pointer right on your back. And I'm like a B-52. I'm coming for you with a daisy cutter, right? But again, it's not about me. It's not even right. about the wife. It's no. about God. It's to be the right time at the right place that he gets us to be Jesus with skin on. Mm-hmm. you're listening, you could be the Jesus that's supposed to hang out with somebody and be the difference. Yes. To stop hanging out just with your Christian bros or your Christian girlfriend, you know, scrap scrapbooking team, or just be with the homeschool fest. And I'm not ripping that anymore because my son's homeschooled, right? So I have, a, I have public school kids and I got a homeschool kid. Uh, but we can't stay in our bunkers, right? We got to get out. Otherwise, uh, the gospel dies with our generation. We've got to be the dominoes the way Jesus was. Yeah, and, you know, my favorite part of that, I was watching your face when I'm telling you about what Matt and Sandra were doing. You know, we were small enough back then, and you probably had a good idea where all the home groups were happening, and you had no idea idea. that Matt was doing that. No idea. No idea. That was just out there. And, And I know that there are other saints that have been out there doing that. I know we got, 
you know, some of our elders in our church, that they're just constantly doing that, going after people. And we see the fruit of that happening. We see families coming in that That's somebody's right. been pouring into. I'm thinking of a family, a huge family right now, that somebody, an old saint in this church, just, he'd go over, help him fix the bar, and go over and help do that. Just that constant, don't be afraid. <laughs> right. Like, don't be afraid of it. You know, like, we, that power of Jesus living in any of us. Right. Um, and, and it's, and we're not, we don't have to sell anything. Right. We just go out and just be that light and um, just love people well, man. Yeah. Just love or people even, where they're at. And I, I want to be careful how I tell this story, but I, I shared the letter with you of, of, of some, someone in our church who's yeah. a little bit older. Yeah. And um, the way the letter, like, like she wrote me like a six page letter. She knows who she is if she's listening. Cause I talked to her about it. Yeah. And, when I get a six-page letter handwritten that's stapled shut and on the outside it says Pastor John, that's either going to be really, really good or it's going to be really, really bad. And because, you know, usually, yeah, usually it's like a handwritten letter of all the way the church has failed and you failed and why we're leaving and da 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 da, you know, because it's just how it happens in every church, right? Yep. But not this letter. This letter wanted to share and give glory to God, wanted to thank our staff but also wanted to give glory to God that he found a way to use her. And the way he had used her was within her family, someone within her family who was an adult that didn't believe in God and uh, got in a conversation. And she just shared what she'd learned was that this is what God did for me. And then was like, hey, you want to watch a, a service? And thanking the tech team that the, that the sermons are online. Because they watched the most recent sermon uh, and it hit this guy that she was sharing with right where he was. And then the next thing you know, the next day they were watching another sermon. And again, it was from a different preacher connected right where they were. And so sometimes those opportunities aren't out at the party or out at the tax collector, the sinner's house or the whatever on the sideline or at school. Sometimes it's in your own family. Right in your own In your own home. So it's it's not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick. And you can't blame sick people for being sick. Yep. You just bring the truth, the life, the light, the love of Jesus, and then you just let him do the rest. And if they show up at church, it's okay that they don't know what to do with their hands. It's okay <laughs> that maybe they're a little... Uh, yeah. A little squirrely. <laughs> a little squirrely. It's like, okay, you don't know the dress code or whatever. I mean, it... it and I think that is, you know, looking at a church building, and I would say this for any church, you know, honestly looking at it like a hospital. Yeah. Like people are coming in and they've got, you know, that terrified look on their face as soon as they step in the door. Man, emergency room attendant, not to freak people out, but hey, want a cup of coffee? Yeah. I'm so-and-so. Nice to meet you. And that's not just for staff. I mean, that, like, if you're if you're in it, man, that's a great place to 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 spend some time, any church you're at. Uh, to spend some time hanging out in the lobby, mm. looking for somebody new that came in. Oh, oh yeah. And even Please. even when people come with a family member and having somebody to introduce them to, I mean, I, there are so many conversations I've I've had where that has helped somebody feel welcome. They came with their family, their family mm-hmm. brought them, but they got to meet some other families who are doing this. And while that person actually seems normal and sane. Maybe I'll give this another five more minutes. Right. I, I'm, I'm not going to check out yet. Um, it, simple 
thing. Simple little things. It, it, it is. Yeah. It, it doesn't need to be where you're going and preaching a 45 minute sermon to 10,000 tax collectors at some convention. Simple acts of kindness and love. And oh, yeah, uh, that I, I get PTSD just even when you start talking about the lobby, because I uh, I heard a story and I don't believe it's an urban legend. I know it's happened in more than one church, but there was a really big church, which means it was somewhere down in the south, not South Michigan, like dirty south. And uh, they were they got a brand new pastor, and he was an outside the box thinking pastor. And the week before he um, like came to the church to preach for the first time, he'd already been accepted. He he was going to come there. The the this lead pastor of this mega church um, dressed up in a disguise, and the disguise he he looked a little disheveled. He looked a little bit like he was a street person, and it's there in a big city. And he went to the church and he stood in the lobby and uh, this is a dirty, dirty trick. <laughs> and no one spoke to him. Yeah. Now, no one knew him and in a mega church lobby, it's easy to be overlooked, but no one spoke to him. No one welcomed him. No one went out of the way. And I believe he had someone with a hidden camera on him most of the time. So that his very first Sunday in the pulpit, he shows pictures and video of, hey, I was here last week and nobody greeted me everything in the culture of this church has to change. And I'm like, dude, dirty trick, good trick, effective. Cool move. <laughs> cool, really cool move. Little bit dirty, you know, yeah. playing on the shame and the guilt and the yeah. whatever, you know. But the reason I have some PTSD about that is because as a pastor, that's my worst fear. Yeah. Or, or one of my worst fears, at least for a lobby, yeah. is that someone's going to go, they're not going to feel welcome. But another one of my fears, you know, as, as we're talking about this whole thing, this, and you and I are in a complete rant. We are. We're it doesn't matter. trailing out. But it doesn't matter because this is a podcast. You can pause it whenever you want and then yep. come back to it. Yep. But like, like, like how many times does someone introduce me? And please don't feel bad if it's you, but they'll introduce me on a weekend. Hey, meet such and such. Uh, yeah, they're really good Christians. This is a solid Christian family, you know, um, if they're new to the area and you just invited them and they're a solid Christian family, great. If they're looking for a church, I always say, hey, there's a lot of good churches. We'd love to be your church if we're not welcome to the area. But when it's like, hey, here's a, here's a brand new Christian family, you know, their old church sucked. And so we said, you should try ours. Then it's kind of like, ah, oh, I hate to hear about any church that anyone has that attitude about. Yeah. But it, it, okay, and, and again, if that's you, we're so glad that you're here. Um, but that doesn't even compare to how excited I get when someone says, here's some friends from work. They've never been to church. I invited them to come. I wanted them to meet you. I have all the time on a Sunday for those people. Yep. And I, I, I get more excited when an unchurched person or someone who hasn't been to church in years gets invited. And so I just wonder for our tab family, if anything Ben and I are talking about here resonating with you, we're getting you fired up about stuff. It's interesting to me that the outreach part gets us the most fired up. Yeah. <laughs> if you're in Manistee or you go to the Buckley campus or you just listen online and you're part of the online campus, what would it look like this week? Here's another challenge. Challenge number two. I'm throwing challenges out left and right because it's 2022. Yep. What would it look like if you were in to invite someone that doesn't have a church or has never had a church? Hey, have you ever thought about church? New year, yeah. new you. What would you think? Hey, why don't you give my church a shot? Just see if any, you'd be amazed yep. at how many people are just waiting to be invited. 
They don't even know they're waiting to be invited. Nope. They're just looking for something noble to do on a Sunday. Yeah. And, and you, it, you could be the one. Well, and, and let's just couple that with the go to a desolate place and spend some time. Okay, you've, you, you're doing your five minutes with in silence. God, put someone on my heart. And then Ooh, follow up. I see what and you invite did there. Him. Yeah. God, yeah. what would you have me do? Who? And, oh, or wait a second. Up. Or say, uh, I don't know if I agree with John. Lord, do you really want me to invite a lost person? <laughs> That's a dirty trick. That's a dirty trick. I dare you. Ask God if he wants you to invite lost people to church. Ask him that. And if he says no, come and tell me, because yeah. I would love to hear that answer and the reasoning why. Yeah, we'll right, pull right. this podcast yeah. right off yeah. the air. <laughs> we'll, yeah, we will just close it down, right? We'll close it down. But no, that's a great prayer. Who would you have me ask? And then what happens if we start, what does it say in scripture? That all of heaven rejoices over one sinner who, is, who, 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 who repents. repents. Yes. One sinner who repents. And so it isn't that we don't love transplants. We do, and we get it. People sometimes need to move from one church to another. Please yep. don't get sad. I've done that. I mean, yes. we tried one church in North Carolina when we were first looking for a church, when we were first married, and we tried several, and they just didn't fit, and one of them really wanted us, but it just, you know, were really nice to us. I'm, I mean, and we were just like, ah, it's just not a fit before we found the place we were supposed to be. So it's not that we don't love that, but I was already with the repentant. Jesus is interested in the sinners. Yeah. No. All right, we got one more section. We got one more section. Do we have time we have, for it, or are we going to cut this off? Well, we we can keep going, and we can trim it if we need to. I Let's don't know go. We're we, breaking but, records. Okay, Let's we're just, breaking hey, records. Hey, people can hey they can they can access it however they want. Yes. There is no time limit here. That's right. Britain's, Britain's a little soft. He's he likes to keep about an hour and a half. I'm like Mr. Three Hour Man. I you know I when I get into a good podcast and I see it's two hours and forty eight minutes, I'm like. Awesome. Awesome. I get to listen to this for, for a couple days. Couple and, days. Or yeah. if I just got a long I, I gotta I'm gonna kill myself in a workout, I can just plug that in and go. Oh, because I use the pause button. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah me too. Yeah. Yeah. Now I know that if I don't reference Bill Stone at least once, he'll get a little sad. Okay. So I want to go ahead and reference Bill Stone. <laughs> Bill likes something that he can see the beginning and the end of. Okay. So he gets sad when they're long. Oh, does he doesn't he? like long pot. No, I mean, he said that, and that's okay. That's how God made him. Yeah. Right. Yep. But I'm like you. Show me a three and a half, four hour. It's like, oh, they must have had a lot of stuff. I'm going to get to listen to this every day this week because yeah. I don't work out for four hours. No, I don't. And I get a little forty five minute, <laughs> little twenty five minute, little thirty. Man, this will last you a while, Tabernacle. You're welcome. Yeah, and Bish <laughs> will never ask ask me to. Uh, <laughs> Hosting his place again. That'll teach him to go on vacation. Yeah, you learned your lesson. Uh, okay, 33, verse 33. And they said to him, the disciples of John fast often and offer prayers, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours eat and drink. And Jesus said to them, can you make the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. He also told them a parable. No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new, and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, and it will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine desires new, for he says, the old is good. 
Yeah, there's a lot in there. There is a ton in here. Yeah. So the, again, we have the we have the Pharisees, and my phone is ringing right there <laughs> during the podcast. That's that gonna happens. get. That's a hundred percent gonna get me fired. But um, so they come to him and they're complaining because apparently when John the Baptist and his disciples were rolling around. You know, there there was there was fasting and John was a Nazarite. So there was a lot of self-discipline and kind of keeping things, you know, very austere. But this just looks like a big party. Jesus mm-hmm. and his disciples are celebrating. They're being invited to big feasts and big dinners wherever they go. And um, uh, Jesus refers to himself. I think this is the first time he refers to himself as the bridegroom. And what that means is, is it will, we'll see later throughout scripture that he's referring to his church as the bride and that at the end of all things, there'll be the, what's called the wedding supper of the lamb. When the church, all of us combined, those who call on the name of Jesus Christ and have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb, uh, who, who've been saved by God's grace through faith will be reunited with him for eternity at this big feast. Well, this is a little preview and he's like, Hey, the bridegroom is here. Yeah. There's no need to fast because often when you're fasting, you're, you're, you're denying yourself of all these other earthly distractions so you can seek God who for us is invisible. This yeah. is kind of, this is my knee, knee jerk, unprepared interpretation mm-hmm. because he's invisible. I've got all these other visible distractions. I need to fast and take away one of those distractions. And so that through that process, I can completely focus not on my stomach, but on seeking this invisible God. Well, he's saying right there, I'm visible. I'm with you. You can put your arm around him. You can shake hands with him. You can give him a high five. You can tickle his beard. I've never thought about that, tickling his beard. <laughs> what does that mean? But he's like, I'm here. This is a party. Yeah. And the time's coming when I'll be gone. That's when they'll fast. But right now we're going to hang out. Yeah. A little foreshadowing happening right there. And then, you know, we, we see the there's kind of a progression of uh, him being questioned by the religious leaders here. You know, they were asking, okay, who can forgive sins? I mean, that was a blasphemous statement you made, Jesus. And then he, <coughs> excuse me, then he answers that. And then, uh, you know, as he's hanging out with all these tax collectors and sinners, uh, you know, they're questioning, wait, 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 what are you doing hanging out with these guys? Like we, us religious people, you're a rabbi we shouldn't be associating with them. Yeah. You're going to contaminate yourself. Right. They're going to, you know, contaminate your 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 holiness mm-hmm. or something like that. And he corrects them. He goes, hey, this is, he, he's shifting. He's, I see where you're going There's with this. a new yeah. game happening. Yeah. And then the next thing is like, okay, Jesus, you're not fasting. <laughs> you, you, your disciples really are not, yeah, this, yeah, we're not looking really holy right now, bud. You don't, you don't do devotions in the morning? Yeah. For an hour? I don't see you praying. You don't memorize scripture like I do? Yeah. You don't listen to the same spiritual cup podcast? I mean, in a, to a certain degree, they're shooting on Jesus and the disciples. A, a little bit. They're at yeah. least questioning. Yeah. They're, they're noticing. You don't oh, look very holy. This is not looking very holy, man. Why aren't you wearing a tie? I mean, seriously, yeah, yeah, I mean, essentially yeah. what it is, it's like all the other pastors we have have a bouffant hairdo and a tie. <laughs> Why don't you tuck in your shirt and you usually roll up your sleeves and look a little bit more casual? What is that? Right. I mean, is it not? It, it, it's it's very similar. It's, it's, it's looking at those, some of the traditions that had been put in place and Jesus was 
he was stepping past those, I would say. Yeah. He seems to be stepping past those. And, and, and then he, as he tells that parable, okay, we're, we're, we're going to do yeah, the par, the parables are a little bit hard to break down, but he's forecasting that there's, there's new things that are going to be coming. Here. No, you nailed it. Yeah. And, and, and there's actually, I mean, it, you can call them parables, but they're really like il- like illustrations. In yes. fact, this article that I've been reading about this is like it calls them parables. But the first illustration is if you have an old garment, but you put a new piece of unshrunken cloth uh, to patch that hole yeah. that when you wash it, it's going to shrink, it's going to tear, it's not going to work. And the same thing is true with the wineskins, that putting new wine in or what is it? Old wine. I I, I was. I'm not a wine connoisseur, so I, I don't know exactly how this one goes. It yeah, says new wine into old wine skins because the old wine skins aren't. They're they're not elastic. So when the the gotcha the, in the fermentation process, the wine has to expand. expand gotcha. So that wine skin it, it's going to burst. Yeah, it's going to just split. Gotcha. And then you're going to lose it all. So 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 the explanation. Well, both of the parables make the same point. They illustrate the fact that you can't mix like old religion or old rituals with a new faith that's in Jesus. And you nailed it. Jesus is saying, I'm doing something new. I'm doing something that you haven't seen, which he's going to confirm at the end of his ministry when, you know, at the Last Supper, when he takes the bread and he breaks it and gives it to them and says, this is my body. And then he takes the cup and he says, this is the new covenant of my blood. Yes. I'm doing something new. So Jesus' disciples were not fasting with the Pharisees and John's disciples because they were entering into this new covenant of grace and faith in Christ. Jesus perfectly fulfilled the law by not sinning. We covered that in the sermon about the temptation so that they didn't have to. It's no longer about the checklist. And fasting was one of the checklists. So now he's starting to paint this picture of grace. And many times... And, and this just hit me. Grace is something that we describe as I was on the way to the to the executioner's chamber because I'm a sinner, you know, like every Johnny Cash song, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, 10 more minutes to go, you know, that <laughs> yeah, awesome song yeah. about going to, you know, to the uh, to his hanging. Right. Yep. And and grace is something that by the skin of our teeth, we we skip the judgment noose. Right. Oh, by God's grace. Oh, I'm just here and I'm saved and that's good enough for me. If this disciple, or or sorry, if this part of scripture is true and there's no wasted words, he's describing grace as a feast. That's different than I miss the noose by the skin of my teeth. This reminds me of what it says in Ephesians, um, you know, the wondrous riches of God's grace that he has lavished upon us. So the grace for his his uh, saved ones, it isn't just, oh, hanging on by the edge of our seat. This grace is not just saved by grace, but lived by grace. And so, yeah, to me, that just hit because he's talking about wine. Yeah. He's talking about uh, new garments. He's talking about a feast. And uh, um, he's unapologetic about it. Yeah, and and even talking about the, the, the new wine, this new covenant is going to be for people other than you, or those religious leaders of the day. Uh, this new wine is going to be put into fresh wineskins. Mm. Um, this new covenant is going to be for more than just just the Jewish people. You know, he's he's alluding to it. He's not just coming out and saying it. But then the last line there, uh, but no one after drinking old wine desires new, 
four, he says, the old is good. So mm. it's like there's those that picture of um, us getting stuck in our traditions. Uh, you know, the the at least that's the way I interpret that. Yeah. Of like a lot of times we can get stuck in our tradition. Oh, no, yeah. I've got this old tradition. That's sad. This. Yeah, that's a sad thing that he says right, right there. It, it oh, really the old is. is good enough. The old is good. And and we can do we can do that. Oh, um, all of for us. the good old days. Oh, yeah. yeah, especially good old days of church when you know no one was smoking outside and you know no one you know dressed the wrong way or put their you know there's no awkward moment yeah 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 yeah, yeah. just all of that like, i knew everybody there were 16 of us oh, and we goodness. you know oh, we'd have goodness. the potluck afterwards every sunday and and nothing wrong with that but if you're just going to live there um, you know, Jesus is looking for those new wineskins to put this new covenant into. He's looking for new people, new time. You know, I think about, uh, um, you know, I, we, we've got a church that we are, we're friends with down in Detroit and talking about like during the message there, we think we have distractions in our church. I mean, well, gosh, they went up and got, went to the bathroom in the middle of the service. There was and a baby crying. There was a baby crying. Yeah. You know, they, they've literally got homeless people that are wandering in and out during drunk. the drunk yeah. during the service while the preachers, and they're good with it. They're like, well, this is where we're called to be. We're, yeah, Midtown, yeah. Detroit. Yeah. yeah. So shout out to you down there. Thank you for what you're doing. Um, you know, just being right in it, and uh, we love you. And uh, that's Mosaic Midtown. We, Mosaic like Midtown. Yeah. We are proud to call you friends. Yeah, brothers uh, and sisters, brothers right? and sisters in Christ. Now, getting after it. Now, there's something that you said though is, and it triggered a thought in me. Is we struggle sometimes with this, and one yeah. one of, or some of the saddest conversations that I can recall, were from folks that have been a part of this church before I ever got here. And um, had prayed for revival forever, whatever that meant to them. Prayed for the lost and prayed for revival, prayed for growth. Because remember, the tabernacle was almost dead um, 30 years ago. It was down to 20 people or less. And half of those people I was related to. Um, and I, you know, but, but then God started doing something. Yep. Lost people were getting saved. People that were prodigals were coming home. People were getting baptized. People were being discipled. We had to break up into two services. Two services became three. At one point, uh, there were four, you know, before we moved into T2, and that's before we started the Manistee campus. Um, and the sad conversations was when someone was like, you know what, I, I, I just... I don't belong here and I don't belong here because I want a church where everybody knows my name and I know everybody else's name. Now that's okay mm -hmm. if that's a church that you want, but, but what made me sad were these the very same people that were praying for their community, praying for their church, begging God for re revival, for something new. And when the new came, they weren't ready for it and they really wanted the old. Yeah. So it's not everybody, but it was no. like this, you know, it's easy to get lost in it and forget like not like literally not be able to see it's I've almost like we, we, we yeah. yes i've lost my place the the blinders come on a little bit and um you know and and that can happen to any of us where it, it just like e even being on staff at a church it's just you know it's a weekend a da 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 and you forget about how exciting it is um and somebody kind of slaps you back into reality of would you open your eyes and look mm -hmm. at what's happening here this is a miracle 
Yeah. You are part of a miracle. People prayed years ago. And it's happening. And look at what God is doing in people's lives. Can you believe that they are there? Can you believe that they're there? Can you believe the people that are on staff here? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) What God has done in these people's lives and then kind of getting that sobered back up like that that shake you back to reality. you know, it's good to have people hmm. around you that can do that and, and 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 remind us like, man, this is don't get don't get callous, don't get or how don't about get this numb one? to it. See, verse thirty nine says, No one after drinking old wine desires new, for he says the old is good. Yeah. Well that old wine, that represents the way things used to be and um the status quo. And um for these people here, it was the Old Testament, no Messiah, always waiting, all the rules, old covenant. And so when he says no one after drinking old wine desires the new, he wasn't saying that this isn't any longer for anyone that was back there. But I almost interpret that as, man, if you're so attached or so drunk on the old wine, you're not going to like this new stuff I'm bringing because I'm bringing a brand new thing. I'm, I'm thinking right now of a conversation that I didn't have, but another staff person had years and years ago. In fact, I'm not even sure these people are part of our church, but they're part of our community and they'd prayed for years for their enemy. For years they'd prayed for their enemy. And this person had hurt them and and they were trying to be good and righteous and you know they prayed for this person for years. And this person got saved and this person started coming to the same church that they went to and they had to make a counseling appointment. And the counseling appointment with this other staff member essentially went this way. Look, we prayed for our enemy for years and years. We never expected that God would save him and then put him in the, the row right in front of us. And we'd have to see him week after week. Now think about that. That's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's new wine conflicting with the old wine. Yeah. And the old, I mean, they had an opportunity there am I going to take part in this new wine too, which is about forgiveness. It's about love. It's about grace. It's about revival. It's about transformation. It's about changed lives. And that story is kind of weird for me. And I'm happy to say that they were able to learn how to forgive, but that was, that was rough Mm -hmm. to say, Oh, I prayed for my, it was easier to pray for my enemy when he was still my enemy. Now he's a brother in Christ. Oh, dang. I got to be on the same team. How, how hard is that? Yeah, you know? now we really got to wrestle. Now we really got to wrestle. Am I, am I really forgiving? Am I really, you know, and that a lot of times just God, that God's just, it's not all about them. God's going to continue to grow us and challenge us, challenge us in ways, and he's really creative in how, oh, like in what you said, I never expected. Yeah. I was praying, I, this is God, this is what I want this to look like, you know, never fathomed Oh yeah! Not only that, I'm going to put them right in your face where we we have to. And in a lot of, that's a really really difficult thing. But it's growth for us. Yeah, it is growth for us, and it's for our good when when God gives us those moments. Um, yeah, it's really important. You know, and John, we we've even talked about you know yeah because sometimes we're the we're the younger generation coming here and those old people like but we've talked about like. We're getting up there too, and there's I'm things getting, that we experience. I'm part of that generation. <laughs> well, you know, I, I forget. I'm old enough to be Britain's dad. Oh, and, isn't that, and, isn't that terrible? There's a whole other generation. Can we edit that part there. out? Yeah, but but seriously, no. I I am. I, yeah, we, and we talk like we're we're <laughs> I'm brothers. 
there's a whole nother generation and our time's coming too. Mm-hmm. And, and we all got to have that heart check where it's, I don't know about this music anymore. Right. Uh, no, I remember, man, I remember when it used to be, you know, two, three guitars every weekend and drums every weekend and like, oh, now we're doing keyboard and, uh, you know, it, it's easy yeah, what to- what if that changes? Oh yeah. gosh. You know, it's like, well, I, I remember when we were a little bit more rock and roll and now it's it's a little bit more of this style and I'll admit there like it's it happens to all of us. You mean where you, we start to long for the good old the days. Good old you days, said yeah. that and it was like yeah. dang and and one of the things that somebody really wise uh, taught me was you know today is one of the good old days. Please That's right. you know, yeah. we're we're making the good old days right now but you, we can't keep looking back to right what was. Right. In fact, I think we did a whole podcast on that about were the good old days really that good? Yeah. You know who my hero is with this? Because he is, he continues to be, because I think this whole idea of new wine and new wineskins is, uh, it's a it's a matter of the heart. You know, in fact, when we look at, at all of these things, they're all about the heart. Yeah. You know, in that first little thing uh, with Jesus and the leper, we see God's heart, that his heart wants to be near us, that he's willing to stretch out his hand and touch him. And that... And the whole thing with the paralytic, we see the heart of the men that brought the paralyzed dude. And then we see that Jesus deals with the matter of the heart first. Your sins are forgiven. And he's reading the minds, which reflect the heart of the Pharisees that are like, oh, who gets to forgive sins but God alone, you know? So it's reading all the hearts. There was something in Levi that even though he was desperately far from God, there was something in him. I, you know, I, I imagine Jesus could see straight to his heart. He says to follow me. He understands the hearts of the sinners, the Pharisees and the scribes that are complaining. You know, what is he hanging out with tax collectors and sinners? Because he's after their hearts. And then right here, when it comes to the fasting, and when it comes to the new wine and you got to put them into fresh wineskins, I think it's a matter of keeping my heart uh, pliable and yeah. open to what he wants to do. Oh, that's and great picture. That, that, that rant uh, is I want to be like John Williams, Pastor John Williams at the Buckley campus, yeah. our care pastor. He's a staff pastor. He's on our content team. Uh, he, he loves God and loves people with everything. He and Barb are my heroes yep. when it comes to this stuff because that's an old guy, and he'll be the first to tell you he's an old guy, but he has a young man's heart. Yes. And nothing frustrates him more than when grumpy dudes his age get grumpy and get sad about something and he god's using him to remind them hey look what look at all the new wine and the new wineskins and and trying to point them back to what matters yeah. most i want to be like that yeah or like tim tim burgess's mom you yep. know we were just at her funeral where where one of the things that tim shared was you know and i, I won't give it to you word for word i don't want to steal his thunder but you know, his mother, or, or there was a time when Tim was feeling really discouraged about church ministry and he was discouraged because he was afraid to make the older people mad, you know, and his, and, and his mother said to him, and, and this is when she was in her eighties, she said, don't be afraid to make the older ones mad. Now, listen, we love the older set, the silver foxes, <laughs> the salt and peppers, mm-hmm. right? The frozen chose. We love you, right? Yeah. I'm just telling you what Tim's mom said. <laughs> She said to Tim, don't be afraid to make them mad because they'll find another church. They'll be good. You know, that he, he came not for the righteous, 
but for the unrighteous. He didn't come for the healthy. He came for the sick. She said, keep going after the sinners. Keep going after them. Not that we don't care about Christians. We are I'm, we yeah. are Christians. Yeah, there's I, no intentionality that's about not the, right. we're just going to intentionally try to make traditional people of a traditional mindset right. unhappy. And, you know, because sometimes even I've encountered younger people that are very traditional and they can't handle it. it they, you they nailed just it. Like, yeah. I had a sh- got screamed at for two hours by somebody who couldn't handle it. And he's younger than me. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And it was he like, wanted a certain tradition, he a certain, a certain way. way, and it his had to heart, look like this. And it was yeah. just in his heart was an old wineskin. Well, it just, yeah, he, he, he unfortunately, I, and I, I hope that there's been some growth there, but the, the new wine that had been poured into his new wineskin had gotten really, it, it turned into an old wineskin really fast. And he, mm. he, he was starting to forget. It's like, dude, all of these things that are happening here, that is what brought you here. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh man, what's going on here? Why are we so yeah. jaded? Um, what's, why are you so upset about this now? Mm. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, this was new and exciting. It was great. You were all on board. And um, yeah, it, it, that it's not just the old silver foxes Good out point. there. It Excellent can point. be, it can be anybody. Um, and which, we, which just brings all, back. It's a heart issue. It can be me. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's easy for any of us. To, uh, it is, it's just simply keeping that heart pliable, soft, um, and, uh, and remembering what the mission is and what we're about. And when we get off of that, that's when our heart starts to be, get hard. Yeah. We forget about, we forget about the Levi's that are out there. And I'm grateful for those, uh, for those people that were Jesus with skin on for me and my family that were willing to invite the people, you know, the people in that didn't know all the answers and maybe were a little bit rough around the edges. I think I still had my eyebrow pierced when I showed up here. <laughs> <laughs> I think I remember that. I forgot all about that. Not that yeah. there's anything yeah. wrong with piercings, but yeah, I'll just give yeah. you a picture. I was a yeah. little no, bit of a rough looking dude just yeah. to walk in here. So, um, so you know, it if that's our theme, we want to have hearts that are like new wineskins so yeah. we can pour the new wine in. I have never seen a wineskin. Maybe I, I have. But I've never touched one. I don't know what to, But I'm just going to imagine, just go with my flight of fancy right here, mm-hmm. that a new wineskin, it's pliable, it's soft. It's like, you know, that perfect skin that, you know, the ladies want. And that even some gentlemen, they're starting to use moisturizer in their middle age, right? Or oil their beer. Or you can be that pruned, kind of wrinkly, dry, crackled, old. Don't be the old wineskin. Yeah. Be the new. Get some oil of Olay. Yeah. Oil of Olay for your for your heart. For your heart, yeah. <laughs> just get a little oil of Olay for your heart. Oh, man, that just flashed back. My mom used to use oil of Olay. That was the only thing she used back yes, in the day. Yes, that's but, good. Uh, yeah, so Tabernacle family, we're probably at a great stopping point here. Uh, but just take, if you would, take heart to that challenge, those challenges that we've thrown out there. First of all, being able to spend a little bit of time in whatever a desolate place looks like to you. A little bit just quiet time. Praying to God. Think about the the Levi's that might be out there in your life. Who would, you know, here's a daring prayer. God, give me one name. Give me mm. one name. Give me, put a face in mine. And, oh. And how can oh, I be, how can how, I be one of those men that's, you know, bringing him and letting him down through the roof? Yeah. What does that look like? How do I have to be creative? And, you know, it says here, Jesus is going to commend that faith. 
And, and if you're in Manistee, do that quick because we have to do, put a new roof on there. So if you're going to make a hole, do it now because if it's a new roof, you put a hole, we're not going to like that. It would be the time. And during the winter is actually a much better time to put a hole in the roof because you don't have to worry about rain coming in. Oh, there it's we go. Just yeah. a few snowflakes to clean up. Just little snowflakes. Yeah. No big deal. Um, but yeah, and then just constantly keeping that heart check. Man, am I, am I just longing for the good old days that you're, oh, it was so much easier. Oh, these new people. Oh, man, this new new thing that's happening here in my church, whatever church you belong to. Um, just being able to keep a soft heart to that and remember what the what Jesus came for. And, uh, yeah, when we've got a church building open, when we're out there in the community, we are to be Jesus's, uh, his physicians. Yeah. Out there looking for people that Little need help. Little Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Uh, so uh, I'm not going to go into all the details about liking and sharing and all that stuff. Oh, you can share this podcast. We'd like you to share it. We would We'd like, like you to like, like it. it. Even if you don't like it, you should like it. Okay. <laughs> Subscribe, unsubscribe. They know the drill by now. Okay, good. Because yeah. I, I don't. I just I. But I'm going to say, make sure to keep up that reading plan. That'd oh, be a yeah. good idea. Because yep. hey, it's just now to Easter. Get your Son of God reading plan. We're going through Luke together. Yeah. We're, it's, nice. it's not even Bible in a year. It's about a chapter a week. A couple mm-hmm. weeks, we're going to give you a little extra homework. There's two chapters on that. You should be able to find that on our social media pages. Our website in the past couple of weeks has been on and off a little bit. Lindsay and the rest of our, our IT team is working really hard on that, getting that back up. But uh, you can always go to our Facebook pages, and uh, we're keeping things on there. I wonder if somebody poured new wine in our old website. That's exactly what happened, actually. New wine went in the old website yep. and it blew up. That's exactly, literally mm. what happened. So David and Lindsay Hoflinger, Lindsay in particular, they're going to develop a new website that new wine can, it can handle. That's exactly what shut is up happening. Now. No, that's exactly that's, what's happening. That's, <laughs> it's a great picture. That's as techy as I get. Yeah. <laughs> and we're grateful for the gifts that God has given, uh, given Lindsay and being able to do that. So Lindsay, we love you. Thank you so much for being an amazing part of our team there. We like to give props to people that, uh, we love and uh, we give props to people that we even don't love. <laughs> <laughs> now we do our best to love everybody. Hey, Tab family. Thank you for tuning in today. We'll catch you on the next podcast. In the meantime, make sure that you are out there in the world, loving God, loving people and making disciples. John, we're out.